Uh, today we're going to dig into God's word uh, using the, the text that will anchor us, uh, that will center around uh, for this annual theme released. It, it comes to us in the Gospel of John, chapter uh, 15, verses, uh, verses uh, 16 and 17. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to, uh, to open them with me and to keep them open as we uh, study God's word together. Uh, by the way, uh, some of you, it's been a long time since you've seen me read uh, scripture from down here by the altar. This Bible was read cover to cover on Holy Week before we moved into this building on Easter of 2019. And, uh, and this uh, altar Bible is precious. It's uh, in English and Spanish, uh, interlinear, so that uh, all of our, our uh, one church in two languages lifted up God's word uh, in this space. And so we come back around the altar Bible. It's a little bit clunkier on, uh, on our online uh, uh, presentation, but, uh, but we wanted to come back to the altar to read God's word. So uh, th- these are the words of Jesus. John 15, verses 16 and 17, and he speaks to his disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is God's word offered to us, God's people in its reading and in its hearing, so we together give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to gather around your word and to know that, that you are speaking to us, that we can hear from you, and that you are bringing life to us through it. Lord, I I pray that you would meet with us by the power of your spirit, that we would more clearly know who we are in you and who you have called us to be. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see, our ears, that we would hear, our minds that would come to know and understand your word. I pray that you would open our hearts, that we would feel your power, and then that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you know I have uh, a senior in high school, my daughter Addison, and uh, that's a weird thing, like a senior, uh, particularly the college like, like process, the whole like application, essay, scholarship, like all of that. It's just, it's just so different. And, and I, I was... Uh, I was talking to one of her friends who's uh, in this process as well, and just since I've been walking with Addie through it, through the essay writing and all of that work, uh, I was checking in on him, man, how are you doing? Uh, and, and he was like, man, this is weird. You know, you, you, you submit the application, and you just wait, right? right? You, you, don't, you don't get immediate response. I can't check grade pro on my phone and see how I did like the very next day or even uh, a week later. I'm just stuck waiting. And, and, and you write all of these essays and they have all of these topics. And yeah, you could kind of uh, put some of them together. But, but I was given this one topic and, and it, it just messed me up. I was like, what, 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 what was happening? He said, here's the topic. 
why do you want to go to our school? What do you want to do with your life? And how do those two things fit together? He said, I'm 17. What do you want to do with your life? And, and I, I thought, like, I could do that exercise here. I could be like, hey, all the adults in the room, like, raise your hand if at the age of 17 you knew what you were going to do professionally. And, and like, five people would raise their hand. Uh, some of you knew. That's great. Many of us didn't. Many of us didn't know the job that we would end up doing actually even existed when we were 17 years old. Amen? Or it might not have existed because of technology. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. And so he was saying, I, I, and, and I submitted this essay, you know, uh, what do I want to do with my life? Why do I want to go to school? How do those two things work together? I submitted this essay, and I don't know how I did. I haven't heard back, and it's kind of stressing me out. And I was like, all right, well, tell me. I'll give you a grade. I, I, will, I will give you the encouragement that you seek. And so he broke it down for me. He said, well, I, I share with him that I, I don't know what I want to do with my life yet, but I'm choosing to to go to your school because you have a great business program and there are so many ways in which that could be used. And over the course of my time in college, my, my hope and my expectation is that I'll learn how I can make a difference in the world through my profession. I was like, A plus, good, good, good job. Uh, uh, if we all could figure out like how we could actually make a difference uh, in the world, that, that what we did mattered, uh, I think that that's, that that's purpose for life that we all seek out and are hungry for. And if we're missing it right now, we're, we're, we're even in this very moment like reassessing, like how could I like lean in that way? And, and those of us that have experienced it, purpose in our lives, we are, we are just sitting in joy celebrating that work. That, that's that's what we see Jesus doing for his disciples here in the scripture today. Uh, he, he's, he's been on this journey of years of teaching, of leading, of shaping, of forming, of preparing. And, and now is a time that, that he is uh, sending them out purposefully. And I, and I feel like most uh, often the, the church does a, a, a bad job of, of being both and when it comes to salvation and mission. Salvation and and mission. So often we put those two things up in, in opposite arenas and we act as though it's either or. We're a church that really focuses on salvation and, and are you saved? And that's going to be our, our whole thrust. Or we're a church that focuses on mission, on purposeful living. And that's our whole focus. But what would it be if we would uh, articulate and live into, as a church, the true gospel that couples together salvation and mission. If the church could say, you are saved by grace through faith. Yes, 100%. 
Absolutely. Like, let's testify to that. Let's lead people to that truth. Let's walk, uh, walk with folks through that process of revelation. Yes, you are saved by grace through faith. Yes. And, and you are sent by Jesus to bear fruit. You, you, you're, you're sent into the world by Jesus to make disciples, to witness to his love, to love your neighbor. You are sent. You are both saved and sent. Yes. And, and this is the, the truth of the gospel and, and, and the truth of, of what it means for us as a church to, to sit with uh, the, the, the annual theme of revive last year, that we have been given new life, that there is new birth in Christ, that we have been saved and that, that we are released into the world on mission as Jesus' disciples, to make disciples saved and sent. Salvation and mission. And so we're going we're gonna to walk through the, these two verses together, step by step. If you still have your Bibles out, uh, I hope you have a pen as well. We're going to walk through uh, how Jesus shapes and forms this message. Uh, now, I'm actually going to start at the end, and then we're going to go back to the beginning. I'm going to start at verse 17, then we're going to go back to verse 16, uh, because the context that leads us up to verse 16 is uh, encapsulated in verse 17. You see, Jesus doesn't often in the Gospels say, I command. Not often does Jesus say, I command. Uh, I command you. But most of the instances where Jesus, is, where Jesus says, I command, are actually contained in this passage of Scripture. Uh, John 14, 15, 16. You, you see, what, what's happening here is Jesus is in this tender, this most tender of spaces between the upper room and the last supper that he shared with his disciples and his betrayal on the Mount of Olives. And so on the journey from the upper room to the Mount of Olives, he has this long-form three-chapter teaching where he, where he encourages, admonishes, uh, sends out, and equips with the power of the Holy Spirit, teaches who the Holy Spirit is. This is, this is tender space for Jesus and his disciples. And, and here's the command that he gives in one way, shape, or form over and over again. We, we heard it at the end of what we read earlier. My command is this, love each other. It's actually a, a short form reflection of what we see in verse 12. Just a few verses earlier, Jesus says, my command is this, love one another as I have loved you. So I, I fully and wholeheartedly believe that whenever we hear the close of this section in verse 16, love each other, we are supposed to, as, as, uh, as, uh, as Jesus' disciples, to hear verse 12 kind of ranging over us, love as I love. Don't, don't love inconsequentially. Don't love in a waning or wavering way. Don't love in, in, in a way that can be fleeting, but love unconditionally, sacrificially, as Jesus loves us. That's my command, Jesus says, to love each other as I have loved you. And so that context is, is, uh, is covering 
verse 16 for us. And as we hear verse 16 working, uh, working out our missional calling, we know it's in love and with a call to love. All right, so let's, let's dig into verse 16. Verse 16 says, uh, it opens with, with a clause that for many of us we could get distracted by and, and we might not hear what follows because, uh, because we have questions and curiosities about it. So we're going to deconstruct that and then move on to, uh, to, to who we are and, and what we've been sent to do. The first phrase says, uh, you did not choose me. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. You did not choose me. And that, and that could be a little confusing for us because we would think, well, yes, I did choose you. I confessed my sins to you. I, I invited you into my heart. I chose you as my Lord and my Savior. Uh, and, and, and I chose to follow. The disciples might literally be thinking, I chose to follow you. I chose to leave my earthly possessions and, and, my, and, and my vocation behind and, and to follow you, to submit my life to you. And so the disciples then and now might be wondering, what, what does this mean? Jesus, you said... Uh, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Well, I, I believe that this is a, a, a double entendre. It has two meanings for us, and, and the first is, is rather literal. Uh, it comes to us in Luke chapter 6, and it describes this process of Jesus choosing his disciples. And, 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 and this is like mind-blowing for us, but, but if we walk back, we're going we're gonna to like see how this happens, right? We oftentimes think of Jesus and the 12 disciples. Like, this is how Jesus's ministry on earth was. It was Jesus and his homies, and they went around camping from place to place. Sometimes they got to stay in a house, and, uh, and that's what it was. But then we think to ourselves, hold on, there were also like some really awesome faithful women that we know were, were around. They were, they were there with them. And then we start thinking even further. It's like, no, 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 it wasn't just the 12 and it wasn't just faithful women. It was also a whole host of other followers. There was a massive following. So much so you remember a passage of scripture where Jesus is on one side of the lake and there are so many people. The crowds are so large that they go off in a boat. Jesus teaches. And then Jesus goes to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee. And, and the scripture says that the people in the crowds actually ran on the shoreline so that they could get to the other side when Jesus got to the other side of the lake. So, so it's not just Jesus and the 12. It's not just Jesus and the 12 and some faithful women, but it's Jesus and a crowd of followers, people yearning to be healed, yearning to, to learn from Jesus, the teacher and the master, the savior of the world. And so we have this movement. And in Luke chapter 6, it describes this naming process of the 12 disciples. So Jesus uh, retreats into a space. He prays to God, and as he prays to God, uh, God reveals to him, him his heart, who will be chosen as the disciples, and he comes back and he names them. In Luke chapter 6, there's a list of the 12 names of the disciples. And so that's, that's a literal, you didn't choose me, I chose you. But there, there's... There's another meeting, maybe even a deeper meeting, that, that resonates throughout the, the annals of history uh, from the first 12 disciples to now for all of us as followers of Jesus as well. You see, Jesus chose you, knew you individually. He had you in his mind on his heart from the very beginning. He, he came into this world. He took on flesh. He was incarnate and walked among us 
for you. He, he, he taught, and the records of his teaching are there for you. He took on the cross. He died and was resurrected for you. His grace is for you even before you ever knew anything about him. Before you knew who he was, before you accepted him into your heart, he had already chosen you. You've, you've heard me offer this quote before. It, it, it's powerful in my life. It's from the theologian Tillich. He says it this way. He says uh, that, that, that this salvation is accepting your acceptance. Accepting your acceptance. You've already been accepted. You've already been chosen. Grace is already there for you. And now what takes place is you, you, you accept that which has already been there. It's wrapped. It has your name on it. It's, it's all prepared for you. And then you accept it. So Jesus tells his disciples, uh, you have not chosen me, but... And here's what we have. We have, we have uh, two uh, phrases that identify who we are as disciples. And then we have two so that phrases. Now, uh, for, for, for those of you that have been with me a little while, you're going to grow uh, tired and you're not uh, of it. And you're not surprised at all that the annual theme that Jason chose for the year has two so that statements. So if you, have, if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and underline it, box it, highlight it, both of the so that's, because those are the purpose statements of what precedes it. So now what precedes it? You are chosen and you are appointed. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you. And those two things are different. I chose you. I, I called you. You, by name, I, I did this for you. And, and, and we know what it's like to, to wonder if we're going to be chosen and to walk in that, in that painstaking process that where curiosity uh, lies uh, and doubt and confusion and, and, and self-consciousness all the way in. And it goes all the way back to, to second grade in the playground at Red Elementary. It goes back to, to moving from Orange, Texas to Red Elementary and walking out on the playground for the very first time at recess. And the, the two most dominant imposing figures uh, were picking teams for kickball and I sat there as a new student who just moved in small and kind of dwarf like and I wondered would I be chosen would I be picked well everybody gets picked but would I be picked last and then moving on in life whenever we learn what rejection feels like and failure feels like whenever we put ourselves out there like we do in college applications and essays and scholarship uh, opportunities will i be chosen how many jobs will i have to apply for and be rejected for how many schools will i feel that pain from and in the waiting wondering whether or not we would be chosen but there's good news for all of us. Jesus has chosen you by name, individually, knowing all of your faults and failures and knowing all of your capacity and knowing all of your potential. He chose you and he appointed you. 
Now that's maybe even a little more daunting to hear that Jesus uh, appointed you because an appointment comes with a responsibility, right? There's, if you're appointed to a position, if, if you now have a title, then you are likely now expected to walk out some sort of uh, job description. And so you're wondering, oh my gosh, uh, what's the job description? But before we get to the job description, uh, I want you to know you have been appointed, which means, which means that Jesus believes in you, that, G- that Jesus knows that you have exactly what it takes to perform the acts of love that he is calling you to. The capacity is there. The capability is there, and Jesus is going to supply and undergird you with everything you need. So it's not by your own strength, and it's not by your own power, but it's all because Jesus has appointed you. He sees you and knows you and says, I appoint you. So that. There are two so that's. Uh, The first is so that you will bear fruit, fruit that will last. And the second is so that uh, when you pray in my name, the Father will give you what you ask. So, so that you'll bear fruit that will last and so that you will carry forward my power into the world. And both of those things can be related independently to being chosen and being appointed. You are chosen to bear fruit that will last. You are chosen to Uh, to ask in my name, and the Father will give you what you ask for. You are appointed to bear fruit that will last. You are appointed to ask in my name, and the Father will give you what you ask. Those can be independently held, but collectively, we are given purpose and meaning. First, to bear fruit, fruit that will last. Uh, I I believe that uh, in this in the context of this passage in John, we're, we're to hear it uh, related to, I am the vine and you are the branches. Because this is the, the image that Jesus is already working through in John chapter 15. I am the vine and you are the branches. And, and, and that means two things. One, that, uh, that the fruit contextually is something that is vulnerable, something that is at the very end and it's, uh, it's sustained through its connection. The fruit is sustained through the branches, is sustained through the vine. So I believe that we have a charge. If we're to bear fruit that will last, then we have to stay connected to the vine. We have to stay connected to Jesus. If we're not connected to Jesus, then our fruit will not last it will wither, and we will, be, uh, we will not be fulfilling this mission that is set for us. Fruit that will last. This, this fruit that will last, it, it, I believe, is not only supposed to last like, uh, like the, the, the moisture-protected drawer of your fruit uh, uh, section in your refrigerator, okay? It's not just to extend the longevity of your strawberries from two days until four, all right, it is supposed to have more consequential meaning. This fruit that will last is to last eternally. We're to bear fruit that matters not only for the moment or for 
a, a minor passage of time, but rather we're to bear fruit that has eternal consequences. We are to love so radically, so beautifully, sacrificially, unconditionally, that people will feel connection to Jesus through us. And when they do, it has an eternal consequence. We are to bear fruit that has eternal consequence. And, and we, are to, uh, we are to pray in Jesus' name and the Father will give us what we ask. And, and I know that that comes immediately in its hearing with some complications because some of us have prayed for some things and, and felt as though the, the answer to the prayer has been no or has been silence on the other end. But if we build it into this, con- into this construct of what Jesus is sending us to do and the spirit in which it's to be carried out, a spirit of love as Jesus loves with the purpose of bearing eternal fruit, then we can see that, that Jesus will give us the power to impact people's lives in love for eternal meaning. We're, we're not sent on this mission empty-handed. We have power. We have power in the Holy Spirit. We have power in prayer. And when we carry forward that power into the world, miracles take place. Miracles that are beyond our comprehension and understanding. And you have been chosen and appointed for that task. There is beauty for us in this grand release that it has already taken place and now we walk forward in life on mission with purpose. You have been released. New life is not given so that you could walk around in your grave clothes. Chains are not broken so that you could behave like you are still in bondage. Blind eyes are not given sight so that we could sit with our eyes squeezed shut. Prison doors are not crushed open so that we can remain in our cell. You have been chosen. You have been appointed to love as Jesus loves so that you will bear fruit, so that you will pray with power. You, you, you are disciples of Jesus Christ, saved and sent in the world with love. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, what an extraordinary gift it is to know that we have been chosen by you. We're humbled. We're humbled by that knowledge. Uh, we're excited by that knowledge. We're uh, we're ready, Lord, we're ready. We're ready to be your people. We're ready to serve you. We're ready to walk out our lives uh, in accordance to your holy word and, and to live as you lived and to love as you loved. So we pray, oh God, we pray, oh God, for, for your power, for your sustaining, for your spirit. Lord, we pray that you would meet with us. 
meet with us in our everyday lives. Not just here on Sunday mornings, not just here in the space uh, and time of worship, but Lord, we ask that you would meet with us in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our workplaces. Meet with us there and use us. Use us as your disciples to bear fruit of eternal consequence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.